This is Radio Free Pro Wrestling, the home of smart and stunning wrestling takes. With your host, David the Smart Mark. He's bigger than the Beatles. And stunning Sean Burkhead. He does the Lord's work. The liberation starts now. Well, hello, it's Stunny Sean. And for the last time for the foreseeable future, I'm with David the Smart Mark as we send him off into retirement. And what a weekend to send you off. I was thinking we weren't going to have anything to talk about, David, but apparently we do. So how you doing? It's been eventful, isn't it, mate? Hello. Welcome, everyone, for the final time, certainly for the foreseeable future from myself. I'll um, I'll say a few words before the end of the show. I don't want to get too over-schmaltzy. Sean has already made me cry already once today, um, and I'm not going to get into detail on, on how he's done that. It's basically five and a half minutes of our former special guest co-host and podcast friends thanking David for all his time on Radio Free Professional Wrestling. And it's a really nice words a lot of people have said. So I will go ahead and say thank you right now for everybody who sent over those fans in the last week and gave me the opportunity to put it all together. Yeah, I'll speak about that towards the end if you'll spare me a couple of minutes, sure. In the first time in the history of Radio Free Professional Wrestling, I'm going to let you have the final words. Wow, thank you. Okay, so the biggest story coming out of this past weekend hit like Saturday afternoon. And David, I woke up from an afternoon nap to find out that CM Punk had been terminated with cause from AEW Professional Wrestling. So, David, what are your thoughts about this? Well, obviously, now it's had about 48 hours to sell. And there have been, and already the absolute stories are flying, flying around. When I initially saw the story, wasn't surprised whether I like it or not, whether I want to see Punk in a wrestling ring or not. I'm a huge Punk fan. I've made no bones about that during the history of this show and this career. However, I think this was inevitable. If, as the truth has come out, that he went in whatever form, lunged, went for, moved towards whatever you want to say towards Tony, um, you can't, you can't have that. Um, and unfortunately, Bunk is the scapegoat because it's almost like the common denominator. He's involved in everything wrong. Um, and eventually the common denominator, um, you know, it gets caught up with, and that's, that's the case uh, in this. Now, what happens to Punk, obviously, I don't think Punk wants for money, just for work, so it's not that. It's whether he has had um, the wrestling bug takes him to WWE, or even even in some big indies, I, I really don't know. Um, this won't die in the next week or so. Um, I listened to Meltzer and Alvarez um, trying to suppress their delight when they read out the statement and started talking about how they'd been too easy on him. Now, that tickled me a lot. That made me laugh out loud when I heard uh, uh, Meltzer and Alvarez say that they'd been um, easy on him um, in some of their descriptions of what had happened backstage. Um, I, I find that I, I found that ludicrous because um, as much as Punk is to blame, you look at people like Meltzer, Alvarez, the books, Hangman Page, uh, Jack Perry, although Jack Perry's still suspended, and they they just got him out. They 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 won one man against the world, and they won. And Punk almost signed, helped sign their paperwork with what he did, um, because you just can't do that. You can't get away with that in any way, shape, or form in a working environment, even in something as weird as a wrestling working environment. Um, and it's a shame. It's a shame because I'm not a fan of the books. I'm not a fan of Jack Perry or Page. 
but I am a fan of AEW. I want AEW to succeed. And they've come very close to it over the last two weekends. Well, Debbie, you just led me into our first segment of the week. We're going into the final sunny six questions of Radio Free Professional Wrestling History. It's time for the stunning six question. All the whys and what have they done now? Hopefully, David and Sean can make sense of it. And my first stunning question to you, David. Which show did you prefer better? Was it all in or was it all out? I knew this was coming. It's a very difficult question. So we're both. The word, neither of them were absolutely outstanding because each one had its own. I would say I slightly preferred All In, but not by much. And and one of the reasons I preferred All In, obviously I'm English or British, sorry, however you want to put it, and it was at Wembley, and that probably just just pushed it ahead of me, ahead for me. Well, David, I'm going to argue the other side of the coin here because seven days ago, if you asked me this question, I would have said, of course, All In. I mean, like, 80,000 people went to the stadium. It's just a spectacle. And it's like the first time in 30 years that we've seen that stadium feel like that for professional wrestling. But last night, watching match after match on the all-out card, the all-out card, it outperformed all-in. And I feel like CM Punk might have a reason for it. And the fact that the talent on that card last night decided, we're not going to let Chicago boo us for letting Punk go. We're going to show them that we still can do great professional wrestling and they had match after match. I mean, who would have thought Hobbs versus Miro would be such a freaking great match? Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. I, that's a great point. Um, the, the one thing I would say in, in, in my defense is the all-out card. I mean, crushed all-in was thrown together last minute. All-out was just like, let's put names in a hat and see what we come up with. Um, I there was no For me, all-out was a really, really good house show. They just randomly put, seemingly put people together. Do you know what I mean? Um, and there was no, I mean, there was no world title match. There was no world tag team match. Um, you know, the closest we got to a big tag team match was the opener with, um, you know, with Cole, with Better Than You Baby and um, the Dark Order. And you knew how Silver and Reynolds were going to go, but you also knew that they weren't going to. So that was, that was, there was some more surprises at all in. And that even allows for the return of Lala, CJ Perry, whoever you want to call her. You know, we were expecting a surprise last night, somebody coming into AEW professional wrestling, but in a million years, I didn't think we would see the Redeemer's wife come on screen. And David, she kind of added a little extra flavor to that match because she came down to save her husband. And at the end of the match, the Redeemer didn't want to do anything with her. He just basically left her in the yeah. center of the ring. I thought that was a little bit weird. Um, yeah, I, thought, I mean, she was going to turn up eventually. She was always going to turn up at some point. Um, I've got no problem with her being in All In, uh, or in AEW, sorry. Um, but I thought that, that was a little bit weird, the way Miro reacted towards her um, after that. But obviously that'll come out, and we'll see where Tony goes with that. But yeah, no, um, both of them, I, I will say this, both of them were better than I thought they were going to be. And getting back to our original question of where All In or All Out was better, what about that strap match? What about the scrap match? No, not for me. Okay, for me, I feel like Ricky Starks versus Daniel Bryan in that strap match was the match of the night. And out of the two cards we're talking about, it was the match of the two cards. I feel like that was the best match out of all the things we saw in the last two weeks. 
I, I'm sorry, mate. I, I don't agree with you. I tell you what was good, and I really enjoyed was the way they brought this the the way they led into it on Collision. I really, really like that with the Shivani interview with Tony Starks. Oh, Tony Starks, I've gone fucking Marvel madly. Um, with Ricky Starks and um, then bringing out the dragon, but it's not the dragon. We could have had Super Dragon. Who knows? Um, knowing the, knowing the books, but um, and but yeah, um. I thought that was very clever, and I really, really enjoyed that as a way to bring Brian Danielson or Daniel Bryan Battle, the American Dragon, back into the fold. But that's not Daniel's match. That's not the sort of match for Daniel. Yeah, and, he, and, and, and the irony, Moxley didn't bleed in the main event, and yet Danielson did. Um, go figure. Okay, so my second standing question for you. Let's go. Okay, second standing question. Who now should be the face of Collision since we lost the impact? Due to his own actions. Should it be Ricky Starch? Should it be Daniel Bryan? Should it be Orange Cassidy? Should it be Moxley? Who would he select? I'd never pick Moxley for anything. Um, but Daniel Bryan, Miro, Miro, I think, Miro after last night, deserves to be, certainly have some gold around his waist. Um, not Orange Cassidy. Yeah, Bryan Danielson. Well, right, okay, before punk sacking, the two biggest stars that they had were Punk and Danielson with MJF just behind them. They've got to now finally push and consistently push some of the talent that they've got brought in. And from the ladies' division, I'm looking at people like Ruby Soho. Hopefully Thunder Rosa will come back, but, you know, you never know with the, the, the environment. But Miro, Miro, Christian, Christian at the moment is on fire. Really entertaining. Um, and, and, and again, he's perfect for collision. David, father of the year and current TNT champion Christian Cage should be the face of Collision. And at TNT title, I know some people think Moxley with the international title should be the champion of that brand. It should be Christian Cage. Someone as good as Claudio's got lost, and that's Rimmin. He's the Ring of Honor champion. How often do they mention that? You know, outside of the match he had with Shibata and Eddie Kingston last night on the All Out card, I really feel like it's time for Claudio to get more of a spotlight on AEW proper. And I feel like inside the Backpool Combat Club, he's overshadowed by Moxley. And I wonder if we should just slide him out of the club. Well, it's time for that club to go its separate ways or bring new people in. Either either, but they've got to do they've got to do that. It's it's just time for it to go. Particularly now Moxley's got some gold, whether it be Tim Pop gold or Major Gold. Okay, so my third sending question. Is it too soon to bring? Is it too soon to bring Jay Uso back to the WWE? If he watched Payback over the weekend, he appeared, and now apparently he's on Monday Night Raw. And I'm going like, they could have pushed this out a little bit longer, David. It's a little too soon, in my opinion. I think that it needs teasing at least another month. What are we at? We're at September Survivor Series. Tease up to Survivor. Just tease, little glimpses, little hints, nothing major. Um, certainly no in-ring, certainly no physicality, and then bring him back at Survivor Series. I agree with you, David. I feel like we haven't missed him enough yet, and really they bring him back way too soon. I would go with your storyline where we bring him back at Survivor Series, then he gets slide into that Royal Rumble, and he could be the gentleman to face Roman Reigns in Philadelphia at WrestleMania 40. You could almost have a Survivor Series-type match with the Bloodline versus a team of dinner. Whoever he hates you've got because he's got Sammy and Sammy and Kevin Owens that they could sort of form alliances with and then find another you know what I mean, someone who's been 
been suffered at the hand of the bloodline. Do you, you with me? David, my fourth study question for you. Okay, so we were, my fourth study question for you. We were talking about Jim, Jay Uso coming back at Payback, going on to Raw. What do you think about Jimmy Uso? Which Uso is going to be the breakout star since we're splitting these teams up and he's on SmackDown and they were teasing that John Cena promo with Jimmy Uso and I'm kind of interested in this Cena versus Jimmy Uso story. That's, that's, that's a tag team for you, Cena and Jimmy Uso. What was what would that be known as? They've got a tagline. Um, not a tag, not not a tag team, David. But I feel like opponents. I feel like Cena might be the first to try to put over Jimmy Uso, boost him up to the main mid level. No, 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 no. I see him as a tag team. You think about it long term. They have a match. They have the respect angle, and end up a tag team. Bear in mind, Cena's going to flit in and out. I could see it. But however, they could use this again to what we just discussed towards Survivor Series. I don't want to see Jimmy Uso Cena on Survivors. Just, just toss it away on a uh, on a house show. Just toss it off. Um, I like Cena coming back. I like Cena. I, I enjoyed Cena in the. Let's face it, the Miss LA night was a little bit disappointing. Um, I don't know whether you agree with that or not, but I thought it was a little bit disappointing. But it was made by having Cena as guest re- guest referee um, for me, and I'd never ever thought I'd say that about Cena. Never. Not on a month of Sundays. But um, I'll tell you what LA Knight's got to do, and I'm going to tangent here, and I'll be interested to get people at Ashley's take as well. Um, there have always been the rock comparisons with um, LA Knight, you know, for obvious reasons, his movements and his humour and, and what have you. I do think he needs, he's now getting really, really like a white white rock. He needs to transit away from it a little because otherwise he's going to lose his powers because he's so over... We all love him. We've Sean Min, you have loved him for years since we've been doing this podcast, even when in the NWA um, days. Oh, he's got to be careful. I watched that match on um, on uh, Payback, or I, I watched it UK whenever I could, and he's so like The Rock, and he's just got to be careful. Um, I, I'm going to bring Ashley. Ashley's joined us, so I'm going to bring Ashley in. I'm going to do a Burkhead here. Ashley, what do you think? No, I kind of agree. I can see where, like... um. You get too close to that, it, people kind of lose interest. Um, they think you're like kind of like replicating or, or too closely mimicking something from before. They might start to lose interest. But you're absolutely right. He is so over. Um, I, I went to an AEW show a few weeks ago, and all, all the chants were the yeah. <laughs> so you can see how, how all the crossover, like he's popular everywhere. Um, so yeah, like I said, you know, I think he's got to do a little more to maybe something a little more to break out and stand out a little more as LA Knight on his own, but they got to keep pushing him because they, they have something with him. Absolutely. I think maybe a little mean streak. He doesn't have to turn heel, but just something a little bit mean streak. Even if it means he's taking a good idea, he's starting to whoop in him one match and he's like, right, I've had, I've had enough of this and shows a mean streak to his character. He can still be the fun-loving LA Knight that we we you know known known well us as wrestling proper wrestling fans have known for a long while, but just show that something different. Otherwise, he is going to lose it, and I think personally he's going to lose it and get tagged with the Rock because when Cena is the star uh, for me of, of a match with LA Knight, and I love LA Knight, I really really do. Um, you know, when I'm watching Cena and not him. The, you know, it's like, oh, hang on. And I thought about this after. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's my... Sorry, Sean, I, I, I tangented a little bit. It's okay. So 
Me, personally, I feel like that match from Payback between Miz and LA Knight went just a little bit too long. I feel like it should have been a little bit shorter. LA Knight is hitting promo-wise with the WWE audience, so I would keep his matches a little bit shorter and not have him wrestle so much. Make his wrestling matches like a special occasion, and he needs somebody better to work with than The Miz. The Miz has gotten to one level. Now he yeah, needs to fight in the main event level to raise him up to the next stage. That, that's a good point. That's a very I was going to say that, that's probably a, a. I see a lot of talk about how The Miz has not really kind of like progressed more than than where he's kind of peaked. Um, so that could possibly be it. Um, but that could help. I like you said, shorter doses makes it appear more like a big deal and stuff like that. So something like that could help. Exactly. Actually, I agree with you. We'll keep our eyes on LA Knight because I know he's going to be a major player in 2024 in the WWE. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ashley and David, my fifth standing question for you guys. Where did we see Will Ospreay in 2024? As we found out a couple of weeks ago on AEW Dynamite, this gentleman has a six-month contract left with New Japan Pro Wrestling. What does this 2024 hold for your favorite professional wrestler, David, Will Ospreay? Well, it's got to be AEW if he's going to move. If he's going to move, it's a big if um, because he's always been very content in Japan. It just depends on how Gado books him, I guess. Um, I don't see him in the WWE because he hasn't got the size, despite the fact he's turned... He's turned. I mean, I've seen, obviously seen the change in his physique over the years. But I think he's AEW. He is, without a shadow of a doubt, and I'll argue this till I'm dead, the best wrestler in the world. He has been for the last 18 months. I don't see him losing that crown in the next 12 months. Um, if he's going to move, it's AEW for me. How about you, Ashley? Agreed. Um, if if he doesn't stay with New Japan, I think it's all. Um, it's, I think it's AEW. I think All In uh, was kind of a high well... <laughs> Let's let's do business in the future, you know. Like, I would say to give them that moment. So I think that uh, I think that goes a long way on both sides for possible, uh, you know, Will joining AEW. And I tell you, one of the big things for me with this with Osprey, it's wherever and which company they decide to do Kenny Will three. Is it going to be safe for Wrestle Kingdom in January, or will Will be pushing for the title? Um, I don't know, um, and I don't want to hazard a guess on that. But I know one of the reasons that um, it, it, it was Jericho all in was because New Japan didn't want him um, wrestling Kenny. They didn't want to do the decider with Kenny at all in, which is a bit daft for me. But hey, you know, uh, I, I just, and then I was slightly disappointed with Jericho. And then to be fair, it was a better match than I ever envisioned. So, um, but yeah, I think that that is one of the big things. And that will make Will's mind up where he does Will Kenny 3? Well, me personally, I feel like Will versus uh, Omega 3 it may happen at Wrestle Dream here in October. And hopefully, in my world, that would free up Osprey to go on to face Sonata at Wrestle Kingdom in January. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I was going to say that it seems like another uh, forbidden door coming up. Um, as uh, Tony Khan said last night, New Japan is planning on sending over some of their, some of their top guys. Exactly. I mean, they're doing it as a Noki and Memorial show, so I do feel like New Japan for Wrestling is going to send over a lot of good talent. Nice choice. Okay, Ashley and David, sixth and final stunning question. You're okay. Okay, so sixth and final stunning question. We just saw Daniel Bryan have one of the hardest-hitting strap matches of my recent memory. 
why do you want to see Daniel Bryan do going forward? Do you want to see him be a major player in AEW? And there's talk of him maybe taking a bigger role behind the scenes at AEW. David, what do you want to do with your second favorite professional wrestler? <laughs> um, I, it, uh, I think it depends on Brian. He's earned the right, hasn't he? He's earned the right to decide, you know, whether he wants to be a family guy and not go beaten up. Obviously, it's well known that his diet, his lifestyle, and what have you. He's probably one of the few there that is, is probably in tip-top shape because of simply simple things like that. Um, you know, you look even far back as stuff like the Wrestling Road Diaries, where he showed his lifestyle of the way he doesn't need junk. He just, you know, um, the man's a machine. I would personally love to see him carry on wrestling, wrestling properly. Do you know what I would like, actually, if he stays in the ring? I'd like to see him as Ring of Honor World Champion for, say, about 12 months. He doesn't have to come near. He doesn't need the AEW World Championship. Um, but whatever he decides to do, he's earned the right. Um, and if that means going home to his um, rather attractive wife and his lovely family, then so be it. And if it's not, and he wants to still wrestle, I would put him in the direction of the Ring of Honor Championship and let him go on a major run and actually technically wrestle the arse off everyone that he meets. How about you, Ashley? I'd love to see him in Ring of Honor again. Um, I don't know. I watched that scrum last night, and kind of after that, it looks like he possibly could be taking on a bigger role on Collision um, to kind of fill the void that's being left behind here um, with CM Punk being gone. Um <laughs> <laughs> did you guys hear the go cry me a river chance yeah i know i did chuckle that to be fair oh my god i i, I just i just wanted to shout out quickly chicago for not hijacking um <laughs> very good um but as far as brian danielson and what he's doing next i'd love for him to fill this void on collision um he that's that's my greatest of all time. So I want to see the way he was talking in the scrum after everything. That's exactly the kind of guy you want leading. Um, that's the guy you want your talent going to with questions and concerns and things like that. Um, he seems like nothing but a genuine guy who's there to help and put over talent. And having him be in that top position and coming in and putting on matches like this just at a whim is... It's going to be great for a collision. They're not going to miss it. It will still stay the number one show, wouldn't it? You know, me personally, I feel like we're going to get the match that we all want. We're going to get Nigel McGinnis versus Daniel Bryan. Because if he wants the pay-per-view during that match, Nigel McGinnis was basically being totally healed to um, Daniel Bryan during that strength match. It's like, oh, hey, he's totally healed now. He can wrestle now like a week ago. He couldn't do it. Yeah, but you look at their history, their ring of honor history. I mean, oh. I don't know whether Nigel could do it. I really don't. And and again, one of my all-time favourites. There's other, there's so many stories I've got about that man, including emailing my wife, and I, and she goes, "Who's this?" And I could have, I could have shot her at that point. Um, uh, and I I still quite like my wife, um, but I love that man. I love McKinley. She's added so much. He added so much last night to all out. Um, his commentary and his his. His insight is just phenomenal. But I don't think, having actually attended ROH Unified, where Danielson knocked him silly inadvertently and split his head out, I don't think I ever want to see that again from those two. I've seen it live, and I don't think I still want to. I still want to go away from this, this mortal coil with that memory because it was just brilliant. 
So, Ashley, do you want to see my idea of a Daniel Bryanson versus Nigel Magina's final match? I think it spoiled things for me. Sorry, go on, Ash. No, no, it's fine. Yeah, I, w- I would love to see it. I think um, I think AEW does things kind of deliberately sometimes, so I think having Nigel Magina come out of the ring to make an announcement about uh, hey, uh, donations that are going out right after the Brian Danielson match is also like, it doesn't seem like anything, but like it's alluding to something kind of thing that AEW does do. Yeah, I feel like they may do it, and I'm, I'm hoping they can probably do smoke and mirrors because if you listen to the scrum from the All Out show, Bryanson gave a lot of flowers to Ricky Stars for helping him go through that match, and he even said that there's a lot of smoke and mirrors in that strap match from last night. Yeah, he straight up said Ricky Starks carried him through that match. Okay, this lead, this ends our study six questions. Ladies and gentlemen, we are doing RFPW in depth, and I'm bringing on my guest host host from our sister podcast, the Double Clothesline Podcast. If you haven't listened to Ashley do her amazing wrestling takes on the Double Clothesline Podcast, now you get to hear it here on Radio Free Professional Wrestling as we break down last night's AEW all-out card. This is RFPW In-Depth. Sean and David take a deeper look at a wrestling promotion or wrestler that you should check out. And my first question for you, Ashley, which one do you enjoy better? Was it All In or All Out? I gotta say a little more. Um, All In is definitely the bigger spectacle, the bigger moment of the two. But um, this was a pay-per-view that I think almost any match on the card could have been match of the night. Ashley, I agree with you. I feel like starting from... Better than you, baby, versus the Dark Order, up to maybe the match that I was a little bit disappointed in was um, Guerrero Yuta and Claudio Casanelli versus Eddie Kingston and Shibata. But up to that point, they had like five matches in a row where I've gone like, this could be, this is a banger, this is a banger, and like Miro versus Hobbs could have been match of the evening. But let's start at the beginning. Your beloved Dark Order versus your beloved Better than you, baby. How do you feel about 12 hours removed from your two favorite tag teams battling each other? I'm so happy that the Dark Order gets that opportunity to go out there and go for a tag team title. And I'm glad they they went out and showed out like they always do. They're they're kind of like this underrated. Okay. Um, so it's cool to see the Dark Order get like that big moment there, like have a big title shot on a pay-per-view, which is nice. Um, I feel like they're a little underrated. I would like to see them get a bigger spot. Um Hopefully going forward in Ring of Honor, maybe they can find their footing a little better. It seems like they that AEW seems to use Ring of Honor to kind of rehab people before bringing them back into AEW. So I could see them doing that. Um, and I love everything we did with Better Than You, Bebe, in the match. You know, I'm happy that the Dark Order are going back towards that more hill Dark Order. I mean, for the longest time there, they were the fun, goofy baby face, even though technically they were hills. We just treat them as baby face because of the passing of John Hewer. And that's understandable that, you know, we just wanted to love the Dark Order and they kind of went with the role there. Now they're getting back to what originally the Dark Order was more like. It's like this cult group that's kind of out to enlarge their numbers and try to take over AEW. And I feel like after that promo from the three gentlemen, after their loss to Better Than You Baby, I feel like we're going to see a more heel Dark Order. And I'm kind of here for it. Yeah, yeah, I am definitely down with them getting to be a little more serious and back to work. Um, they started off like as heels. Um, and then, like you said, like when, when, unfortunately, when Mr. Brody Lee passed away, everyone, you know, just wanted to love the dark order and we got to to kind of go with them as they, they dealt with everything. And 
now it's, you know, we feel like some time has passed and we would like to see them get a more serious position. So the way they're going to have to do it is by turning more serious and getting back to uh, maybe even some heelish tactics. Exactly. Now, coming out of this tag team match, we saw Adam Cole helping MJF up the ramp. And who comes out? It's the Mullet Frickin' Joe. And just like back in NST, Samoa Joe pushes MJF to the side. He has a smirk on his face. He walks down to the ring. And Adam Cole is going like, bro, you're hurt. You're injured. Don't go after Samoa Joe. Not right now, no. But MJF, Barry Babyface MJF, can't stand this disrespect. He goes into the ring and battles Samoa Joe. And I got a feeling that's going to be the next challenger for MJF's AEW World title. And I'm all here for it. Oh, I am. I am so here for this. And that you're right about that, too, because I thought it was funny that MJF went after uh, Samoa Joe. Like, I feel like he'll kind of, you know, shit heel MJF would have been like, oh, yeah, but I'm I'm going to head out. I just had a match. <laughs> he wouldn't put himself in a position to get beat up again like that. And he almost got choked out by Samoa Joe when he ran back. So give me a few weeks of some back and forth, some promo battles between these two. It, leading up to a match at, I mean, I don't know. Do you do it at Wrestle Dream? That would be kind of a weird. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because now we have this Enoki memorial um, show called Wrestle Dream come up October first for AEW. And do you have better than you, baby, on this to face a team from New Japan, or do you have a AEW World Title match with Samoa Joe versus MJF here? I mean, you could hold it off to full gear, I guess. I mean, maybe Grand Slam. Ooh, you know what? Grand Slam would be. An opportunity to have a match with Samoa Joe and MJF. And we keep thinking about when are they going to break this tag team up with Bettering You, baby. And maybe Grand Slam is where the king causes MJF the title and they put the title on Samoa Joe, maybe? Hmm. I don't know. That'd be a big thing to do, in, especially in New York with MJF. Yeah, I feel like, you know, it might even heat him up more as a babyface if he's chasing after the AEW title. That's true. I... I'm such a fan of this like sudden shift in his behavior. I'm hoping that I really do want Adam Cole to be the heel so bad in this situation. You know, it just seems right for Adam Cole to be the heel in this situation. I mean, granted, MJF was a great slimeball heel for the first couple of years in AEW. But I feel like Adam Cole is just a natural heel. I mean, like undisputed error, heel faction. And I just feel like that's the Adam Cole that's just waiting to stab MJF in the back. Yeah, I feel like MJF could truly have a generational baby face run. Can it be someone that nobody would have thought when he first came into AEW that he could do it? Now, here's another avenue that he can prove that, oh, I am the best professional wrestler in AEW. Yeah, he's definitely one of those ones that, like, I always see people because he doesn't wrestle so often be like, oh, he's just a talker, he's just a talker. But every time he goes out and has a match, it's like the best match of the night. So... I don't know. Well, we're going to move on to the second match because, like I said, Samoa Joe versus Shane Taylor for the ROH TV title. Now, I know back on the Double Clothesline podcast, we previewed this card, and we were saying that there's a lot of real art matches on this card. And in a way, they kind of got them all out of this first hour here. And like we had back-to-back real art title matches. And Samoa Joe versus Shane Taylor, two big hosses just going at it. Yeah, I mean, I still think too many ROH matches, but I mean, the in-ring quality is just the best. Uh, these two guys beat the hell out of each other, as expected. Samoa Joe looked great again. Two matches this week where he's just looked phenomenal. And I am just, I am so looking forward to this program with MJF now. 
Exactly. I feel like this was a perfect match for the crowd there at Allstate Arena. And or it was Allstate, wasn't it? Or Exactly, yeah. Okay, so we're going on to our third match. If memory serves you right, it was for the TNT title as Father of the Year, Christian Cage, and Luxusaurus face off against Darby Allen. And unfortunately, I feel like on our previous show, we were talking about every solution to get the title off of Christian Cage and Luxusaurus. But they gave Luxusaurus a very strong, clean win here to retain the title for Christian Cage. Yeah, um... I think that was like the only outcome I didn't see happening. <laughs> um, still, still no tension or anything between Christian and Luchasaurus. So I guess we're keeping them together for now. But uh, surprisingly, seemingly some tension possibly between Darby and Nick Wayne. Uh, Nick Wayne about to get a concerto and Darby having the opportunity to break it up sort of hesitates, but doesn't really help Nick Wayne. He still kind of goes for the coffin drop. <laughs> so maybe something there. It's a very interesting finish to the match because here's Darby. He's going for the win here. He has Lucasaurus dead to rights and he looks over and Nick Wayne is about to meet his father, you know, in a way with a guitaro here because Chris is ready to swing for the fences and that hesitation gives Lucasaurus the chance to power up and get the pin here on Darby Allen. Now I'm going like, I didn't see that coming. It was a kind of creative finish and I feel like we're going to get our Nick Wayne versus Darby Allen feud coming out of this. Yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking too. Um, it, it was weird to kind of have the baby faces break up, but like I said, like it makes a lot of sense with kind of how Darby just forgave AR Fox and Nick Wayne being upset about it. And now Nick Wayne is like, hey man, like I was about to get my head cracked open and you were just going to go for the pin there. Like, what what was that? <laughs> you know? Exactly. There's so many options you get now with Darby Allen and Nick Wayne and Luchasaurus here. The probably the weakest match on the card, but now we got so many possibilities. I'm looking forward to Dynamite and Collision to see where we're going to go. Yeah, I will say Darby's spine has got to, he's got to chill. <laughs> like, it's it's too much in a week to be taking all that to your back. Ashley, I gotta say, he needs to slow down or we need to enjoy him while he's here because he's not going to wrestle past his 30s. No, I mean, that spot when Luchasaurus put the stairs on his back and walked up them, I was like, oh my god. After taking a coffin drop on a, a casket last week, then that, even that finisher, like, that was a, a brutal finisher from Luchasaurus. The double tombstone, the throw into the ropes, and then the, the lariat from behind. Like, that was pretty brutal. Well, you know, Luchasaurus wanted to make sure he was down for the count, and he broke out all the heavy artillery there. Yeah, no, that double tombstone is impressive. I like that. Okay, so let's go on to probably my match of the night, because if you're watching RPW Twitter and Double Coldsline Twitter, I was raving about Hobbs versus Miro, and that was before CJ Perry popped up on our screen, and she was our only surprise of the evening. But this match was two Hobbs going to battle, and I feel like even though Hobbs didn't get the victory here, he got elevated, and Miro is the face of collision. Oh, for sure. Um... They both looked great. I this this is exactly why what you want to see. Two big guys just smacking each other. The bits of like athleticism, like Miro throwing like the the spinning back leg lariat stuff like that. That's awesome. Um, the chants during this match were wild. <laughs> and Hobbs Hobbs, I feel had a, a little bit of a breakout last year, and then kind of 
not regressed, but kind of had some storylines that pushed him down a little bit more. But this this is bringing him right to the forefront of things. And I think they need to keep going with this on collision. And, and now we got we can have a little bit of a back and forth with these two. You know, I got I was so happy that we didn't see QTV or any members of QTV come involved in this match. Because we were trying to figure out how to save Hollis from Miro. And we were thinking, oh, bring some people out for the QTV to have them win the match. This match didn't need it. This was a perfect way in defeat for Hobbs to be the big bad heel on Collision. And we got to figure out why is CJ Perry up to now? Because she came down to save Miro, but the Redeemer didn't want to have anything to do with his wife. He walked away from her. Absolutely. Um, let's set up Hobbs for like like this big monster heel run. I loved the uh, the those like show respect. They looked exactly like that that meme. <laughs> from like Predator of Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and stuff with the arms. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, I'm I'm having his wife finally come in and now he's got some things to kind of work toward aside from a championship, like kind of like working toward like this like redemption with his wife and everything like that. I could see them kind of running something like this and I'm, I'm for it. So let's bring him on to collision and let's get him on TV. Exactly. And I got a feeling if you wanted to continue this storyline, of Hob, I mean, the storyline of Miro and his wife not being on the same page. Who's the per- perfect person for Hobbs to reach out to to help him defeat Miro but C.J. Perry? Yeah, his hot and flexible wife. That that had to the screen just saying hot and flexible in huge letters. Exactly. It just made me laugh out loud because they didn't refer to her as C.J. Perry. They didn't refer to her as Lana. She was only referred to as Miro's wife. So I feel like they're going to figure out what they want to call her in AEW. But that made me chuckle to see her Titan talk or Titan draw for lack of a better word. <laughs> yeah, she's got a brand for sure. <laughs> well, let's move on to our next match. And it's the uh, it's the second of the two women matches on the card. As at zero hour, we did see the women's trio match, which was probably the better of the matches on zero hour, in my opinion. What do you think, Ashley? Yeah. Yeah, I I think the ladies were pretty determined to kind of have a, a, a good match knowing they were getting the opportunity to at least get two matches on this card. So uh, they looked great. I, I can't get over how good Athena is. I need her on... I would have loved to have her in a singles match, but um, I guess they were trying to get her in a match with Billy Starks, who I guess is dealing with some sort of minor injury and wasn't cleared for this week. Um, but to at least get her on the card and to have her go out there with uh, Mercedes and Diamante. Mercedes Martinez does not get enough time out there because that I want to see more of that suplex off the ropes. The spider suplex she does, that is phenomenally brutal. Ashley, that was probably my favorite spot of the evening. And now as I was saying, they're going like, what kind of core strength do you need to pull this off? Because she freaking just tossed Athena like nothing. Oh, just nuts. They're, they're so good. That's why you got to get them on the card. I loved the... The face-off between Hikaru Shida and Athena, I'm for this. Let's get that on the ASAP. <laughs> you know, I was thinking, why not have Shida slide over to Rhea Honor and that be your Rhea Honor feud? And you could bring it onto Collision or Rampage and have like a Rhea Honor women's title match between the two ladies. And I would be there ready with popcorn to watch it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that face-off, they got quite the reaction too. So I, I, think, I think a lot of fans would be down to see that. Okay, so we're moving over to the... TBS championship match between Chris Statlander and Ruby Soho. 
And we kind of got this one right on the head because we were talking about maybe the fact that two-thirds of the outcasts were on the same page. And were you surprised that Marilyn Monroe slash Tony Storm appeared out from underneath the ring and caused Ruby to hold the match by taking the spray can? I, I was surprised when she popped out from under the ring, yes. <laughs> I expected her to come out. I was not expecting her to slide out from under the ring like she'd been chilling there the entire night. <laughs> um, she looked deranged <laughs> when she came out and grabbed the spray paint in. I love this. And somebody tweeted out something very quickly. I was like, somewhere in the world, Juice Robinson and Tony Storm share a house together. <laughs> just, just a thought that's running around out there. <laughs> Pretty funny. You know, there's a reality series right there. It needs to be done because I wanted to see that. Yeah, I need an all access like uh, Tony Storm Juice Robinson edition. <laughs> but we see Tony Storm take the can from Ruby Soho and she's basically springing around like arrogance as she's walking back up the ramp. And so it's like, wait a minute, that's our finish. Um, come back. And that's when you see that letter, now her finisher, clean pin here. And I feel like we're going to have Saraya and Ruby Soho have a bit of a falling out with Tony Storm. And I still feel like Soho can go back and challenge that letter again for this title, or you can maybe spit her off into something else with Tony Storm. Yeah, I could definitely see her wanting to get some like revenge on Tony Storm or something now. Um, yeah, no, I thought that this was a good match too. They, Chris Dallander is so strong, man. Her, both of those surgically repaired knees doing like the kip ups and stuff, that spot where she did like three or four kip ups right in a row. Like, that's not easy. Uh, she, uh, Ruby hitting the no future off the off like the second rope there. That looked pretty brutal. I love the baby face getting the win, but not nece- like not necessarily having to play like the dumb baby face. Like, you know, Soraya kind of got t- chased off there for a second. Tony and uh, Tony Storm didn't really affect the outcome. So I like the baby face being able to get the clean win without too much. Exactly. I feel like. Sattler needed this victory here. We got another strong champion on AEW in the women's division. And we got the specter of Jade coming back, maybe. And do we see Jay Cardio come back as a babyface and go after Soraya, maybe? I think if she does come back, she could be a babyface. I would I would like to see that. That's that would have been another interesting she would have been another interesting addition in like the Outcast versus Originals, in my opinion, because she was an original but kind of identifies more with Outcast like mentality i would think so like to see her kind of come back and have like a feud with her kind of maybe thinking a little more like her but she is an AEW original so you know now they gotta fight that's how it goes okay so we're moving on to our next matchup and thankfully for really yuda his team won the match we're talking about whether yuda and claudio casanelli versus eddie kingston and shibata a quick match here and i was surprised with the finish that we get Claudio nailed the European uppercut and good night, Eddie Kingston, because he was not out. Yeah, it was a very good match with a very abrupt ending. Um, sometimes those finishes are more surprising and sometimes they're a little deflating. I think it'll just be subjective on how people take it. I thought it was I thought it was just very abrupt. So I was kind of a little more deflated with the ending, but the match itself was kind of what you expected. Hard hitting, you got Cassiori Shibata in there. With submissions on everyone. And the fact that he had a submission on whether Yuta kind of cost him a chance to go save Eddie Keyson from the European uppercut because he was still trying to choke out Yuta and he couldn't get in the ring to break the pinfall up. Yeah. Uh, 
it's going to be another thing for Claudio to hold over Eddie for sure. So I'm hoping we get this this rematch for the ROH World Title soon because the place is the roof is going to blow off the place when Eddie Kingston finally beats Claudio and wins that title. <laughs> Well, if we don't get this match, Tony Khan, we are going to send a very strongly worded letter your way. <laughs> exactly. I, a strongly worded tweet is in your future. <laughs> okay, so let's move on to the next matchup. And this was my match I was trying to push as the main event. In a way, I'm kind of happy I was wrong in this case because it's Omega versus Contessa. Now, I got the finish right. We got a clean victory here from Contessa being... Omega, and I feel like we got another possible face for Collision in Katesha and Don Callis being the manager. This match was unbelievable. These two guys beat the hell out of each other for like, what, 20, 20, 20 minutes or so? Exactly, and oh my word, how many knee strikes did he see in that match? Because they must be chewing on town all this morning. Oh my God, Kenny Omega getting dumped right on his head with that that suplex, like just like toss on the back. I was like, oh my God, the everything, oh, just brute the elbow shots, knee shots. That last knee shot when Takeshita took the knee knee pad all the way down, that was insane. You know, it was insane. I was happy that was the finish to the match because the announced team did a great job in this match to put over how deadly. Katesha's knee strikes were, and as soon as they saw the knee pad go down, they're going, oh no, Omega's in trouble, and he lost. Yeah, and that was possibly, that possibly the most brutal match of the night? Maybe not, though, because we still have uh, a certain dragon to talk about, but um, as far as, like, strong style, that was, uh, <laughs> that's, that's, like, your definition. <laughs> well, let's go to this strap match here, because earlier in the show, me and David were debating whether or not this was the best strap match I have seen in the, probably my life. As we had the American Dragon versus Ricky Starks. And I gotta say, this was a star-making moment for Ricky Starks. In defeat, he didn't tap out. He didn't get pinned. He passes out to the American Dragon, choking him with a strap. Yeah, this, from the first time they hit each other with that strap, I was like, oh... We're, we're going real hard with this. Brian Danielson had that strap making sounds that I don't know if I've ever heard a strap that loud <laughs> in an arena. That was, they're going to be bruised and welted for like the rest of the year. <laughs> you know, Ashley, I feel like these two guys deserve a short vacation here because that match was so freaking brutal. It's my not match of the evening. And like David said earlier in the show, oh, Mosley didn't bleed in his match with Orange Cassidy because Daniel Bryan and Anna Ricky Starks bled tons here in this match. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Ricky, I, I'm pretty sure was motivated to go out there and put on a great match tonight considering the match that got taken from him for tonight. So you can't ask for a better person to work with than my greatest of all time, Brian Danielson. Um, and to to kind of hear the, the comments after the match during the scrum, it just makes me appreciate it and Ricky Starks even more. Exactly. If you haven't watched the AEW media scrum, Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson comes out to the, the podium and literally puts over Ricky Starks, saying that he led him through the match. They had a lot of smoke in the mirrors because of the Dragon's injury to his arm. And he was singing the praises of Ricky Starks as that was the first time they have locked together in a match. 
He talked about watching Ricky Starks and warning if he was that good. And coming out of that match, he got the seal of approval from the American Dragon. Yeah, oh yeah. Brian had nothing but praise for him. Um, He said that even throughout the match, he didn't throw a strike at all with his right arm. He goes, but probably you didn't notice. And I said, nope. <laughs> I certainly did not notice. <laughs> not what I was paying attention to. Um, But like, what a leader and what a what a guy to be kind of taking over like a the position here. Um, I'm pretty excited to see what collision's gonna look like with him kind of taking the helm, especially if we're gonna get some stuff like this going forward. Exactly. I feel like the future of collision, a lot of people have been worried about it with the termination of CM Punk. Coming out all out, and we still got two matches to talk about, I feel like they're gonna be just fine. Yeah, honestly, if anything, this pay-per-view has me so excited for this week's TV programming. I know, Ashley, and would you imagine saying that 48 hours ago as we're learning the truth that CFL will no longer be with AEW? To be honest, Sean, I was, I was even still debating Sunday morning if I was going to buy the paper. That's very interesting. You want to talk about that for a second? Just, um, it was more of like a kind of a money thing. It wasn't like, a, but I was like, you know, I, I'm kind of like, oh, there's a lot of Ring Honor matches. Uh, on paper, you know, like I, I kind of said, like on paper, it, people were kind of like saying it doesn't really look like the best card. And, you know, when you're coming off all in, I guess it did kind of look maybe a little underwhelming. But I think I said it last week. I feel like when the card, when people are saying the card is underwhelming, I feel like AEW over delivers. Exactly. And I agree with you. It's a lot to ask a lot of your fan base to part with $100 inside of a, a week. And it like is, you adding wrestle dream now you got six weeks and that's 150 bucks you know yeah exactly and for me i had to stop and think about it before i made the purchase for all out but coming in coming out of all in i kind of went ahead and made the decision to go ahead and purchase all out because i wanted to see how this played out and especially after cm punk got terminated i wanted to see that chicago crowd and thankfully the chicago crowd did not take over this pay-per-view they were perfectly happy with the, what they saw in front of them. Yes, I actually, I wanted to just make a quick comment and say thank you to the live Chicago crowd for uh, for not hijacking the show. And like you guys, those guys made that just as fun to watch at home as it must have been to watch in the arena. The chants were hilarious. Um, they got into like almost every single thing. And it was nice to see at least, aside I would say from like the young bucks who got more of a mixed reaction, the elite didn't get, all that much hate, even though all of them were there. Hangman got a pretty great response. Kenny got a pretty great response. The Young Bucks was mixed, but I would say overall more positive than negative. Well, let's slide over to that match, as the semi-main event was our favorite faction, Bullet Club Glow versus FTR and the Young Bucks. And actually, I kind of got this wrong. I was thinking that FTR and the Young Bucks wouldn't operate together that well. They operated pretty fun. It's just the fact that Bullet Club Glow is just a step above them as a faction. And I was happy that Switchblade Jay White got a clean victory here. And now they can brag about the fact that they beat FTR and they can go after those AEW World Tag Team titles. Yes, I'm for that. I I like you. I thought we were going to see some like tension or some like miscommunication stuff between Bucks and FTR. But the I loved the idea of them like gelling almost more than anything like Jackson, Matt hitting the BTE trigger, or Nick Jackson jumping in to hit the Shatter Machine. Like the timing for them was great. I love this. It's like it just shows that, like, even though they're rivals, they're so in sync. They know each other so well. They can even work together like like this, like that well. 
And like you said, Bullet Club Gold getting the clean victory because they're just, they're together. They're, you know, they think like they're on the same page. They're not trying to make it work. It's just working for them. Um, I'm in. I'm excited to see. I, I know it's not over between the Bucks and FTR, so. True. It's not over for FTR and EM Bucks. And I got a feeling coming out of this match, it's not over for the Bullet Club Gold versus Young Bucks FTR because I feel like you can run this match back, and I kind of want. I'm kind of wishing they will. Yeah, I got. I it was kind of like thrown on there just last week, and I was like, "All right, let's see where it goes." But I, like I said, I love the idea of instead of FTR and the Young Bucks almost fighting, like it almost, it they almost work too well together. Yeah, it's just the simple fact that. They miss one little side step at the end of the match, and Jay White does luckily does the tag to get in to nail his finisher, and then one of the Gun Brothers lays on to a member of FTR and gets the pin. I mean, like it worked fine. It's just like coming out of this match, I was like, they just made Bullet Coco the big bad faction on a collision. Yeah, and I'm for it. Let's let's push Jay White as one of the the big big bad heels on on collision. Let's do it. Guns up, buddy. Guns up. For sure. Okay, so we're up to the main event of All Out, and it's your match. It's Orange Cassidy versus Moxley for the international title. And I got to say, this was a star-making moment for Orange Cassidy because I feel like the people who were hating on him to be a quote-unquote main eventer, they're eating humble pie this morning. I sure hope they enjoyed it because I love this guy. I've loved him since before AEW, and... To watch how he's kind of gone from being like a meme to people actually being like, oh, he can wrestle. To watching people go, oh, no, he's really good at this wrestling thing <laughs> over the past couple of years has been awesome. Um, and the last night, like you said, was just another. It was kind of like the crowning moment. Like they said on commentary, he had never main evented an AEW pay-per-view before. So this is his first main event. He goes out there. He looks great against AEW, one of AEW's other aces and John Moxley, and just the reaction he got at the end, like you can tell, like they, I think they know now what they have. I mean, if you watch the match back, look at the crowd at the end where Orange Cassidy suffers a very high angle death rider. He can't get up. Moxley wants out of the ring with a belt. The crowd's still standing. They're cheering for Orange Cassidy and the fact that this dude had gave them a hell of a ride defending this international title week after week, and it finally come up to a point where he was able to make one come back. And Moxley just was the big bad, like I said on double, the Double Cold Line podcast, he was the one big bad that Orange Cassidy couldn't overcome. Yeah, no, I mean, John Moxley's ability to also like put people over and to make them look so good is, is just one of the many reasons to love that dude. Um... And this was another one of those moments. Orange Cassidy looked looked like like a like people always say he doesn't look like a threat because he's always got his hands in his pockets. Like he meant business this match. I loved that spot where he was like doing the light kicks for a second, but like each one got more aggressive and aggressive until he was just stomping on John Moxley. Like, ah, oh, so good. And then, you know, he, he finally lost it. So now we have a new international champion, but that I'm sure Orange Cassidy is going to take some time off for a coup, and then I'd like to see him come back and either go for either the big one or either move up to like maybe the TNT title. Exactly, and I got a feeling that we were talking about what you do with the absence of the real world title. 
Now you got Moxley with the international title. You can slide them over to Collision. And like I said on the double R, the double clothesline podcast, that could be your new secondary title, world title on Collision. Yeah, and I think it'll give it a little more breathing room with the TNT title and, t- and the international title. So you don't have to worry about this other world title being defended. We have a little bit of breathing space for now the international title because we know Moxley's going to be... I'm kind of hoping Moxley's run will be a little more like packed than the original run. Um, where he was kind of going around and other people were coming in to defend it. I'd love to see John Moxley kind of do like a little world tour with the international title. Yeah, you know, that would be interesting. I could see Moxley might doing it. Leaving all out 2023. Ashley, what's your final opinion of the card? Um, While uh, there was a lot of hubbub about it going into it, uh, I truly believe this was one of the best pay-per-views of the year. Uh. Top to bottom, I think everybody was just determined to show how how okay they were going to be going forward, even with the big shakeups and and everything that went on this weekend. Um, and it leaves me very excited to see where we're going on TV this week. Ashley, I feel like we're going to be coming back to this moment in time in about three years, and we're going to say this is the moment that AEW took this step to the next level. And it could possibly gone down two different rows. It could call went down to a point where we would never have AEW again. But I feel like this weekend has made them stronger, and we're going to see this company keep on growing. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm excited. Like I said, I'm I'm ready to see some of these people who stepped up this weekend kind of continue to to grow and, and just show out. So I'm ready, ladies and gentlemen. That has been your AEW All Out review here on Radio Free for Professional Wrestling. Stay tuned as David comes back and we close out the show. Ashley, thank you for coming on Radio Free Professional Wrestling and help us review this awesome favorite card. No problem, Sean. Thank you. David, Greg Feltham here from the Smack Daddies podcast at SNME Radio. I was told that you are retiring. Well, I guess I found that out a few weeks ago as we, myself and my unusual tag team partner, I guess, Randy, uh, were able to take on yourself and Sean at All In for the final Churchill Cup. Um, I'm sorry that it didn't go your way. You can retire with it, but it will have a very safe home here at SNME Radio. But today is not about Churchill Cup. Today is about you, my friend. And I wanted to say thank you. Thank you for, frankly, putting up with Berkey for as long as you've had to. This is... um, yeoman service you have done to um you know honestly keep them away from us which is probably not the worst idea in the world um but in all seriousness david uh i just want to wish you a very happy retirement i know you have some other projects that you're working on and between an ocean between you and berkey and you know whatever else is going on in your life uh time to step back i completely understand that and we hope one of these nights we can get you to join in with myself and brad on SNME Radio uh, for a special, you know, uh, David uh, podcast. So anytime you're up for that, you know how to get a hold of us, buddy. Uh, wishing you the very best in this retirement, and hopefully uh, it'll be a little easier on you not having to deal with Berkey as much. Have a great one, bud. Hello, RFPW fans. Blaine here from the Royal Ramble Podcast. Just wanted to give a quick shout out to my man, David Brightly. It was a pleasure speaking with you last week about All In as you head into your final podcast. Uh, great, great guy, uh, sir, former serviceman, and thank you for dedicating all those years of service, or the couple of years of service, uh, to the RFPW podcast. 
Enjoy your time off, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Bonjour, and hello, David. My name is Matthew Edder. You might recognize me from such films. No, let's not do the Troy McClure bit. But, man, you are retiring from the wrestling podcast space, and that's crazy. That is a, that is a big loss in our community. Uh, when I think of Sir David Brightly, I think of the voice, first and foremost, that, that awesome podcasting voice that could cut through a sandwich of lead or something. I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. But hey, man, no, we uh, we just want to say thank you for all you've done for us here as wrestling fans. And, uh, you know, best of luck to you in your greener pastures. Thank you for all the laughs. Thank you for the expert level opinions on the professional wrestling and for the patience of Job putting up with Sean F. and Burkett. We appreciate you. We love you, brother. Thank you very much for everything. And enjoy the sunset, the beaches, the lovely tropical weather of jolly old England. David J. Brightly, Mr. Smart Mark himself. It's Joe Aguinaldo, and uh, I heard through the grapevine that you were going to be hanging up the podcasting boots, and I wanted to say from one quote-unquote retiree to another. Congratulations, man. Um, I remember hearing you guys first during the patron pod, and it's been amazing to hear you and Burke grow your podcast into what it's become. Although, don't tell Sean that, because I, do, I don't want him to get the big head. Um, I'm glad I got a chance to podcast with you, but more importantly, I'm, I'm glad that I got to become friends with you, got to know you a little bit. It's still my favorite dude across the pond. Um, happy podcasting retirement, my friend. Um, I'll definitely be keeping tabs on you with your radio show, but please, please, please don't be a stranger and all the best kid. Hey, David, it's Randy from Sunday night's main event retirement speech, Sir David Brightly retiring from radio free professional wrestling. David, I've enjoyed, uh, listening to you the last couple of years on radio free. Um, I've always loved your knowledge of wrestling and how you describe things and your love of wrestling. I've learned a lot from you the last couple of years, and I appreciate you in every single way. The biggest thing is I appreciate your patience with the, the stunning one, Sean Burkhead. You will definitely be missed, sir. Um, I hope you enjoy whatever you're doing. Always keep that smile and that laugh with you. And all of us here from Sunday night's main event want to thank you for the time that you have spent on Radio Free and all the information that you have given to us. So from all of us on Sunday night's main event, David, enjoy your time. And we truly love you. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are heading to the end of the show. And we just came out of a five-minute segment where I had a few special former guest co-hosts of the program on the show to thank David. Allow me to thank David at this time. Three years ago, I didn't know David. We were watching AEW All Out. I thought he was kind of crazy. I thought he didn't really like the Young Bucks. He was right about the Young Bucks. I'll give him credit for the Young Bucks. He was right. <laughs> I would like to thank Becca and Bev for allowing David to do the show with me. Allowed me to come into your home via Zoom like for an hour every week. And for David to put up with my American pronunciations of every British word I kind of screwed up like across the fence. Blasto, Blasto, when we were doing the interview with, with Ashley Vega, and I was, I was like, forgive the American for the pronunciation. David, I know we're going to continue talking off the show, and I want to wish you all the best. If you haven't listened to his stuff on more recent radio, 
do yourself a favor, download the app, and every Saturday he puts on one of the best sports shows possible. But I don't know what to say. I've been dreading this moment. I'll tell you now. The one thing I can absolutely say, even though this is the first time, young Ashley and myself have locked horns. You've stepped up. There's no two ways about it, big lad. You've um, you picked a good one there, um, and it's perfectly clear. And I don't blame you. I really, really don't. Um, this started from a very, very crooked Jason Agnew project on SNME Radio. And I, I'll always say that, even though I love Jason to bits, um, and it's always been a pleasure uh, working with him. But it was crooked as hell, and me and you never had a chance. However, it formed the Allied Pensioners, well, the Allied Pensioners podcast that Sean very, very sensibly then decided to rename Radio Free Professional Wrestling. Um, someone, and I, I take great, great pleasure in saying I've got a good friend in Knoxville. I always utilize that line of one of my best mates, and I've never met the fucker. Excuse me, there is going to be a little bit of foul language in this because I'm getting emotional, all right? Um, um, and he is just a one in a million. He takes a lot of crap from all the other podcasters, deservedly so sometimes, but he is a one in a million. His life, I've learned his story. Um, I've learned about him as a, a just a, an all-round, as we say over here in the UK, a good egg, a good person, a good bloke. The only regret I've got is that he doesn't bloody drink, understandably so, with what's gone through in his life. And I'd love to go out and get absolutely trolled with him. That's another UK expression you'll have to work out. <laughs> um, what is quite a relief is that he's in good hands because he needs to be in good hands because he needs cajoling. Ashley, you're his carer now, okay? You are officially his carer from this point on, young lady. Do a good job because he deserves it. Sean, I can love you, man. I really do. And I'm filling up. Well, David, I know that Randy and Greg couldn't be here to present you with the Churchill Cup. But luckily for me, I have the Churchill Cup here. And on behalf of the former retired champions of Randy and Greg, I'm presenting you the Churchill Cup. It will never be defended on Radio Free Professor Wrestling ever again. And David, thank you for three years of partnership here on Radio Free Professor Wrestling. And a a new older brother that I never had. I love you, man. Yeah, and you, mate. Um, and, and to the guys that I know you've got something to put in at the end, all the SNME guys, um, but the, I, I'm not going to name them, um, but but people like Joe, I suppose I am going to name them, Joe, Greg, uh, Matt, Randy, Randy, because Randy, Randy, Randy always cheers me up. Um, all of those that are left to me, even Blaine, I, I mean, Blaine I only met, although I've spoke to him on social media for years now, and we've exchanged opinions and viewpoints adultly as well. I love the fact that all these guys are adult about their love of professional wrestling, as are you guys. And, you know, it's our passion and it's our, it, you know, people, that people you either get it or you don't. There's no two ways about it. You either get it or you don't. And to work with people that are so passionate about something that I am has just been an utter pleasure. And I'm going to really, really miss it. But it is something that, uh, unfortunately, for the time being, it has come to a close, and I thank Ashley. It's been a pleasure to meet you, Burkhead. I absolutely love you, and um, this, this is me saying goodbye. Thank you, anyone who's listened to Radio Free Professional Wrestling. Take care, look after yourself, and love your life. 
Christina here. On behalf of the guys, thanks for listening. Like the show? Do us a favour and share it with a friend. Have a stunning question? Email it to the show at RadioFreeProWrestling at gmail.com. Until next time, this has been Radio Free Pro Wrestling. Stay stunningly. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, as a special treat here, I went back and remastered my and David's first interview ever for Radio Free Professional Wrestling. We had the privilege of having Nikita Koloff on early during our run in Radio Free Professional Wrestling. And this was the one interview that I loved the most because I freaked David out because I texted him about 3 o'clock in the morning his time to confirm that we had a date with Nikita Koloff and David just freaked out. And I'm going to let you guys listen to this interview. And this basically started what is Radio Free Professional Wrestling. And once again, thank you, David, for sharing this time with me. And like I said, I love you, brother. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, it is my distinct honor to introduce our guest at this time. Most people use the word legend loosely right now, but this man is truly a legend in every mean of the word. He's a two-time NWA Tag Team Champion, a NWA United States Champion, and an NWA Hall of Famer. He is no other than than Russian Nightmare, Nikita Koloff. Mr. Koloff, how are you doing? Welcome to Ring of Freedom. That's your wrestling. Comrades, your toy, Tom. That was the taste of the old days just for you guys. Uh, great to be with you guys. Thank, Thank you, Mr. Koloff. Yeah, yeah, great to be here. I, I love the shirt, Mid-South. I love the shirt. Traditionally South, traditionally I love it. I love it. Well, awesome. Well, great to be with you guys. Mr. Koloff, so you started in about 1984. You were about ready to play football for the USFL when one of the road warriors called and said, hey, why don't you try wrestling? And from there, everything just happened. Yeah, it's really, it's, it's, uh, when I look back on things, it's like many things in my life, um, you know, things have come across, opportunities have come across my path that, uh, I wasn't necessarily looking for. In fact, uh, when I go out, a lot of times I'll do different motivational speeches, sometimes for corporations, your conferences and different things, and just challenging people to keep their eyes open for opportunities. I like to say it this way, guys, it's better to be prepared for an opportunity and not have one than have an opportunity come across your path and not be prepared for it, right? And so for me, back in those days, you know, I was, uh, uh, of course, training extensively in the gym, fell in love with weightlifting at the age of well, and, and then football soon after. And so that was my, that was where my sights were set on professional football. That was kind of my dream as a child, as a young man, young boy. And I was on that path of pursuing that, even in the midst of some setbacks in college. But uh, again, I, I didn't let that hold me back. I used those setbacks as an opportunity for a comeback. And then Road Warrior Animal, uh, who I, had, by the way, had recruited out of high school to play college football with me left he left early got into professional wrestling and then in turn he called me if you wanted and still to speak and recruited me into professional wrestling and as you mentioned 1984 and and the the career just took off it's just crazy how much talent came out of that area of minnesota at that time because you had kurt annie he had rick rude and both the royal warriors and yourself so how was it wrestling the royal warriors well there's uh 
there's a lot of I'll, I'll get to that question, but yeah, there was there were so many guys. Crusher Khrushchev, right? Barry Darso, Wayne Blue, Mike Enos, Scott Norton, of course Jesse the Body Ventura. I mean, there's so many, so many that came out of uh, the Minneapolis area that the uh, from for whatever reason, I guess it was in the water tower. It must have been the minerals in the water tower. I don't, but. Um, but the road warriors were certainly uh, legendary, right? I mean, they made a name for themselves. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, one of the best, if not the best, tag team ever in professional wrestling. Of course, I might be a, a little biased on on that opinion, but I think their record speaks for themselves uh, by how many belts they acquired and, and wore around their waist, and, and the success and accomplishments they had. Not just you know, not just in all the all the major leagues, uh, AWA, WWF, uh, WCW, NWA, but also in Japan and just around the world. And certainly, the matches against them are incredibly memorable, to say the least. Especially the chain matches; those were those are pretty memorable and then later on team me up with them for the war games with the the superpowers if you will dusty roll the tower power too sweet to be our yield <laughs> everyone loves to imitate dusty so i had to throw that out there no right so you let me over to my second question. It's 1987, and Dusty has just come up with this idea for a match. And it's Dusty, you, the Royal Warriors versus the Four Horsemen, and this concept he calls War Games. Why do you think about it when you first hear, hey, we're going to be inside this giant steel cage structure? Well... I mean, I, I'd been in cage matches in the past, you know, whether it's get what there was against Nate Boy McFlair for a world heavyweight title match, or 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 other guys. I mean, I was in the cage with a, a lot of guys, uh, but the idea or the concept of two rings, two cages, as well as a, as a a covering over. Now the other cage matches, you know, there was no no top on it, but here you're going to have a, a top, so it's kind of like no escape, right? No, no, nobody gets in, nobody gets out. So the concept I thought was brilliant, Dusty. I really consider to be really a, a genius when it came to creating angles, creating ideas like the War Games, like Great American Bash. The best of seven series against Magnum TA and so many other other amazing creative ideas that Dusty came up with. And that War Games was, especially the very first one, was very memorable. I mean, it was electrifying that night in the arena. Nobody, nobody had a clue or an idea how it was going to unfold. But uh, as as we now know, it, it's now we use the word legendary in the opening. Well, the War Games match was legendary. Don't bring you back, so you know, counting up. It. Well, yeah. I, it, and I understand. I like to say often imitated, never duplicated. So, you know, there seems to be nothing better than the original, no matter what it is, right? Whether it's a wrestling match, a movie, or anything else, it's always something special about the original, right? Just like one of the original shaved guys, uh, I, Uncle Ivan Goloff, and then uh, Nephew Keith comes along. Just something special about the word original. Exactly, because this was about the time I started watching wrestling with my grandfather, and I remember the 1992 War Games match he had where he teamed up with Sting against the Danish Alliance, and to me, that was probably my favorite match, and I know the WWE brought back the War Games, but like you said, the original is always better. Well, and those and those matches with with the Dangerous Alliance and Sting's Squadron uh, were certainly fought as well. Uh, uh, you know, taking nothing nothing away from them uh, in, in any aspect of that. Uh, but but certainly, you go back to the superpowers, the 
the the the road warriors, the four horsemen who had a, a stellar career of their own, right? The, and the, and again, the original Rick, Oli, Arn, and Tully uh, were certainly uh, uh, you know formidable opponents, and, and then eventually when you know Luger comes aboard, uh, eventually, but. Back to the original, Tully, Ole, Art, Rick, those guys were, were consummate professionals and carried themselves so well in the ring and just made any match, whether it was a, an eight-man, a six-man tag match, or a single match, those guys were the, uh, the, the, the mecca of wrestling in those days. Exactly. You cannot say anything about 1980s wrestling without mentioning the Four Horsemen. They are truly legends. Full sense of the word, they are legends. And that's part of my childhood was watching them wrestle. That's it. So you you watch it with your grandfather. So you've been you've been a fan for a long, long time, which which we appreciate you, all your listeners. You know, I, I enjoy doing these interviews and, and and just getting out there and and meeting fans face to face. In addition to speaking, uh, you know, on all these podcasts, so it's great, Mister K. Um, you talk about uh, Sean Benson's nineteen ninety two Wallcat. My first exposure to you, being a UK wrestling fan, I grew up on World of Sport, sat on my grandfather's knee, I'm slightly older than Sean, so I knew, I saw like Regal when he was 17, like, stuff like that, but my first exposure to you, Good Sell, we got WCW Worldwide around 1990, and you went through, now correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I think I'm not far out, you went through a face to, to become, and you eventually joined, as you mentioned, Stephen Squadron. What was the story behind that? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great, co- where, where in England uh, are you from, by the way? Um, the Cambridgeshire, the, the little bum part that sticks out as you, as you look at the UK, I'm the little bum part on the right hand side. I'm in the middle of that. Peter, well, let me, my nearest let me, let me give you, let me give a little quick backstory and then I'll, I'll get to your question about the turn. So as most have learned now, and there's still, I think there's still, you think with the internet, everyone would know, but every now and then. I run into someone who still thinks I'm from Russia. They want to know what happened to my accent. <laughs> but hey, good, good formal English tutoring. Thank you, UK. Good formal English tutoring. But here's the little backstory, my brother. So my roots actually go back to England. My mom was born up near Carlisle, up near the Scottish border. Yeah. You know, to Carlisle, a little, a little village called Hayden. H-A-Y-D-E-N. And my sister, brother, and I, my brother-in-law, had the opportunity just a few years back to, to of course, tour London and, and all, all of the wonderful things that, that England has to offer. We took, a, we took a train up to Carlisle. We rented a car. We went to all these little villages to, to research the history uh, of our family. And, and lo and behold to us, we had no clue, no idea. We actually found the house that my mom was born in. You know, yeah, it was pretty amazing. No, you know, no, you know, you didn't go off to a hospital. You had a, a midwife, right? And and so my mom born in 1919 there in, in Hayden. And then uh, at age two, uh, my grandma brought her on a boat across across the pond to America. So you you and I might be related, I guess is what I'm saying there, David. Uh, I'm not that lucky, you You never know. But so, for your listeners, there's a little backstory on the Russian nightmare with English roots. Okay, English roots. So, all that said, the turn again, Dusty and promoter Jim Crockett's idea, uh, Magnum TA, who had been a nemesis of mine, the best of seven series for the U.S. title. We, we, uh, 
which is probably the most often mentioned uh, part of my career is that best of seven series. When he had his accident, I had just come back from Japan, a tour in Japan, and I had no idea that he had had his wreck. It took a while to convince me, but once they convinced me, uh, then they shared with me the idea of 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 coming to Dusty's rescue a few weeks later in a cage match in Charlotte, North Carolina. He was wrestling. Oh, it was supposed to be Ole and Tully. Tully was injured. J.J. Dilla, the manager, steps in, and I, you know, I thought to myself, guys, I thought. You know, Dusty's got all kinds of years of experience. Jimmy Crofter promotion and their family had been in wrestling for 50 plus years. They probably, if they think this will work, let's go for it. So we made we made the decision. We The date was set. I came to Dusty's aid as people can watch on YouTube videos. And when I did, the place went from initially a, a pin drop and death silence to an eruption that you might say lifted the roof off the building and, and we never looked back. You were happy with that, with that result. Yeah, we, we had no we had no clue if it would work. In fact, years later, I was told Dusty was asked, hey, did you know that turning Nikita, you know, baby face, you know, making him a good guy would, would, that you guys would do the business you did or that it would work. And he, he said, we had no clue. It was a roll of the dice. We were hopeful, but there was certainly no guarantee. But yet the, as, as re the record shows, the fans embraced it. The superpowers did sell out business wherever we went for the next couple of years. I have to ask that because that was my first proper viewing of you. It's the same in the UK. We got that late on a Saturday night on WCW Worldwide. And that particular moment that you've just talked about is, was shown on that. And uh, it just blew my mind. And you talked about lifting the roof up, even watching it on television, came over as you would probably want it. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm grateful, thankful for, the, again, for that opportunity, something I wasn't really looking for. I, I thought I'd be a, a, a heel. I thought I'd be a bad guy my whole entire career. Uh, and that opportunity presented itself. We took advantage of it. So, Mr. Kulov, we're going kind of wrap up here with the last question we have for you you have a main camp which is like a christian outreach program if i'm correct can you tell us about that please yeah we we do it, it it's it, again my life's been an interesting journey right so you know the door of opportunity opens up for wrestling in a very unusual way i make a decision to to leave wrestling at the age of 33 um Walked away under my own terms. Yeah. And I was on this, at this point, I'm on this journey about what, you know, for what life holds next for Nikita Koloff. Um, just like, just like I wasn't born in Russia, uh, I thought English roots. I didn't grow up in a church, but, you know, I, I had heard the stories. I, I, you know, I learned the stories of, of this man named Jesus who lived and, and died, was crucified, rose again. And, and so I, I heard the story. But in 1993, about 11 months after leaving wrestling, uh, that story, I like to say, made the 18-inch trip from my head down to my heart. And I became a, a, a Christ follower. And that decision, October 17, 1993, set me on a whole different trip trajectory, a whole different path that all these years later now uh, have allowed me to travel to 30 different countries. I have ministered and preached in 1,200 plus or minus churches, 28 different denominations. We hold men's conferences and camps. And I was reunited, reconnected with Lex Luger. But your, your listeners probably know him as the total package, Lex Luger. We were reunited in 2006 uh, when he made a decision, April 23rd, to surrender his life to the Lord. And since that time, 
he and I have co-labored together in doing these conferences, and and now it's called Man Camp. Uh, your listeners can go check out mancamp.info. That's the website. So met eighteen years and older. You know, we bring in to to uh, for a few days. Him and I co-facilitate this camp, and our goal, guys, is just to instill things that he and I have learned over the years uh, to be to be more healthy mentally, emotionally, physically, of course, spiritually send men back home uh just to be to be more engaging and more more successful and 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 thrive in their environment and so that's what we do with the with the camps and and again the mad up conferences and and uh and i'm just thrilled i mean i never i never thought i'd be a book writer i i did not enjoy writing and, and certainly didn't enjoy english class back to the days of my studies but Old, old. I, I've I've written three books. I'm working on a fourth one. Your listeners can another website they can go to is is coloff.net, coloff.net, and uh, two of my books are there that they they can purchase and I'll personalize and 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 now the last thing I'll share with you too, Sean and David is I, I wasn't looking to have my own radio show or my own podcast, but last year during this pandemic, an opportunity opened up and now I launched It's Time to Man Up, uh, the Man Up podcast. And your your listeners can go on all, all of their major platforms and, and find the podcast. And I, I just recently did an interview, a two-part interview with Sting, uh, Jackson Riker from WWE, uh, Monday Night Raw. Uh, uh, Magnum TA will be on there soon. And so got some great interviews with some of the wrestlers. Uh, so awesome. Mr. Koloff, thank you for joining us today on Radio Free Professional Wrestling. We look forward to see what you do next in your career. And God bless you. Well, God bless you, David. Thank you, Sean, and all of your viewers, listeners out there. God bless you guys. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, sir. Hey, thank you, guys. I really appreciate it.